What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast with your guy, JR. Hope you all are having a great day today. Um, as always, I appreciate all the support and I appreciate all the love that you guys continue to show. Um, continue to like, continue to share, continue to get the podcast out and let everybody know about the All Things Sports Podcast, where I cover all sports that I can across the world. So um, talk about every sport different stats, range, topics, things that I uh, just have an opinion on and would love for everybody to hear it. So continue to share. And for those that are sharing, I really appreciate you. And for everyone that continues to listen, I really appreciate you. So uh, on today's agenda, we're going to talk about uh, some major league, well, not really major league baseball, just going to kind of give you an update on what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, I'll probably do two separate episodes where I have one is strictly major league baseball. And just to go ahead and warn you, it's probably going to be about an hour um, because I'm going to break down uh, each uh, division. I'm going to break down each division. I'm going to break down uh, top players at each, at each position, first base, second base, third base, and so on. Uh, I'll give you my uh, MVP predictions, also World Series predictions and, their, and, and such. So we're going to hit every team. Now, I'm not going to do an in-depth uh, analysis of every team, but I'm just going to give you the highlights of every team and what I think they're going to do. And what I think is going to happen. So it's going to be a long episode. I'll have a guest on with me. And we're going to break down each team uh, in each division and pick the winners out of baseball. So there you go. So we won't even cover baseball. I just not, I just gave it to you right there in the intro. So um, be on the lookout for that episode. And then also I'll come with another one just covering everything else. But so today, on that note, I'm just going to cover some NFL topics that I have um, today. And then the rest of it will be on basketball don't have a lot of basketball uh, NBA. I just have a few uh, points that I want to cover. Some exciting things happened. Dane Lillard with the 71 ball. Uh, crazy. The dude's been on a tear. Uh, I want to talk about the Lakers and LeBron James with his injury being out. Uh, what's their chances? And just kind of mention the Bucks and the Knicks, the win streaks they're on, and, and give you my power rankings and my MVP rankings. So not going to be a ton on the agenda today, but there's some things I want to hit. And also, we're going to talk about load managing a little bit and just where I stand on it and how I feel about it. I've already talked about it a little bit, but just give you some few more points on load managing that I've been thinking about. So it's the All Things Sports Podcast with your guy, JR. Thanks for tuning in as always, and I'll be right back, and we'll start touching on some of the NFL topics, and we'll go from there. Appreciate it. Be right back after this short break. All right, guys, welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast. Again, with your guy, JR. Let's jump into some NFL talk. So it's been about a little over a week since I recorded an episode and been with you guys. So there's been a lot. Well, I don't really want to say a lot that happened in the NFL, but it's been a few things that's happened. So we're going to go over a few things, kind of give you my thoughts on it and go from there. So... Uh, Broncos, back to Denver Broncos, as we all know, Denver did hire Sean Payton as their head coach, which I think really is a good fit for them. Uh, Russ had a very bad year. And, you know, while we're talking about Russ, I'm not, I honestly don't understand why he had such a bad year. Like, the regression that he made from Seattle to Denver was just astronomical. Like, he was not the same guy at all did not look like the same guy we've seen at all but 
I hadn't started a podcast in his years in Seattle. So I've always felt like, I don't want to say overrated. I feel like overrated is too um, strong of a word. I've always felt like Russ was, uh, how about this? Given more credit than what he really deserved, if you want to say. They had a all-time great defense. Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, Bruce Irvin, Michael Bennett, I believe his name was. Um, I don't know much of more on the D-line. They had an incredible, incredible, incredible uh, defense, a historic defense, honestly. Like, if you go back and you look at their defense, uh, the year they won the Super Bowl, I believe it was like a top three defense of all time behind the 85 Bears. Um, and I can't remember the other defense. I'd have to go back and do some research on that. But um, they were a top three defense of all time, statistically, if you go back and look at them. Then you had a guy in the backfield named Beast Mode, literally named Beast Mode in Marshawn Lynch, who was a top five running back to me during his time in the NFL. Always got overlooked, but always was productive. Could catch balls out of the backfield. Now, he wasn't like your prototypical guys now that can catch out of the backfield. He wasn't like that, but he could catch the ball out of the backfield. And you know what he was going to do through the – you know he was going to do through the gaps. I mean, he was going to hit the gap hard. He was going to either run over you or make you miss. And Marshawn Lynch surprisingly had breakaway speed. Like, he was a complete running back. So, um, they had him back there and Pete Carroll with the mind that he's had or still have, really. I mean, he got the teams in the playoffs this year. So, my point in saying all that is I just believe that Russell Wilson was just giving more credit than what he actually deserved. And, you know, we kept – hearing all these years we need to let Russ do more open up more there's a reason why Pete Carroll didn't do it and I believe that now that people are starting to see that I believe now that people are starting to see that this is why Pete Carroll did not open it up because Russ isn't that guy so I don't really want to continue to be on beat on that dead horse but I think Sean Payton will help Russ I really do I think he'll make some things easier the offense that he has I think it'll be easier for us um, Russ can still throw the deep ball or the moon ball, as he calls it. Uh, but I think Sean's going to get in there work with Russ and, and allow him to get back to being a great player that he is. You know, there's been talks about has his Hall of Fame case been hurt. I never thought he was a Hall of Famer in the first place. I just hadn't. I mean, I know that might be crazy. I know some of y'all might be like, what? JR, really? But I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I really don't. I mean, the 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 leading factor in no Super Bowl of that defense <laughs> just was so, but that's just me. Uh, but anyways, along the lines of the Broncos, they hired Vance Joseph as their new defensive coordinator because my Panthers took their old one. I like Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph used to be the coach of the Denver Broncos, and Vance Joseph is an extremely great defensive coordinator. So I think that's going to help them a lot. Um, moving on, I don't really want to talk about this guy. Because I'm kind of just tired of it, honestly, figuring out what he's going to do. But Aaron Rodgers, like, apparently he's come out of his uh, quote-unquote darkness retreat, whatever the heck that's supposed to be. But um, I, I don't understand. You go to make a decision, so you just go in darkness to make it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But it's Aaron Rodgers. What what makes sense with him? Nothing, usually, because he's a diva. He's all about him. Ain't won a Super Bowl in 13 years. Four-time MVP, ain't won the Super Bowl in 13 years. 
um, most accurate, one of the most gifted quarterbacks ever, hasn't won a Super Bowl in 13 years, um, consistently falls short in the playoffs, and oh yeah, hasn't won a Super Bowl in 13 years. But yet we continue to talk about this guy. I, I just, I used to be so high on this guy. Everybody used to be like, come on, man, he's failed. I used to make up excuses for him. But now the more and more I look at it, hasn't won a Super Bowl in 13 years. <laughs> yes, that's my fourth time saying that. A guy of that caliber should have won the Super Bowl by now. Now, I understand Brady went 10 years without winning one, but he had three beforehand. And then he went on to win four more. This dude hadn't even been back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I don't get it. But anyways, for the sake of just sports and me covering it, because I do all things sports, where will he land? Um, he came out yesterday. Today is um, Thursday, uh, March the 2nd. He came out uh, yesterday and said that he will make a decision soon. And honestly, on a, on a serious note, he needs to. He needs to make a decision soon because you're starting to see the combine. Uh, you're going to have a free agency come up. So, this is a time of year where you kind of need to know the direction of your uh, franchise before you get into OTAs and you got the combine and the free agency. And you, you kind of need to know the direction of where your franchise is going. So he really needs to make a decision um, because at the combine, you know, you can trade picks. Like if the Jets want them, let's say the Jets want them, uh, they may have to trade a few picks of this year's draft to the Packers, and the Packers have to evaluate. You know, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm getting with this? Like, he needs to make a decision within the next week, I would believe so. Um, that way, you know, the, the the pro, the NFL combine started today. So they're going to be scouting all kind of people. So you kind of need to get a sense of where you're at. Um, so, yeah, my gut feeling where I think Aaron Rodgers will land it's the Jets. I think he's going to land with the Jets. Uh, again, I could be wrong. There could be some other team that comes out and just, you know, gives them a great offer. But my gut feeling is he's going to land with the Jets or he's going to stay with the Packers this last year and then retire. That's how I feel that may happen. I think the Jets um, is a good choice for him. Uh, he's a diva. He likes attention. So New York market would be great for him. Uh, they got a great defense. They got great young talent. So maybe he can go in and help develop Garrett Wilson. So, yeah, maybe the Jets, but I think the Jets or the Packers. So, uh, Derek Carr, um, Derek Carr, he's met with the Jets. He's met with the Saints. He's meeting with the Panthers today that I read, although I don't know if I want my Panthers to get them. But I will say this. The Panthers, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Dan Orlowski, uh, who does a phenomenal job, by the way, on NFL Live. Uh, the Panthers almost hired him, by the way, too, on a side note. But he does a phenomenal job, Dan Orlowski does, uh, breaking down, you know, teams and all that. But he there's a clip going around where he said that he believes the Panthers are a quarterback away from being a really good team in this division and uh, the South and, you know, winning the division for the next few years. Derek Carr can be that guy. Like, I truly believe Derek Carr can – I believe that Derek Carr can step in and I believe that Derek Carr can uh, step in and help this team get to the playoffs and win. And maybe we can sign Derek Carr and maybe draft like – you know, uh, Anthony Richardson and let him develop behind um, Derek Carr. Let him develop behind um, Derek Carr and learn. We have we have Frank Wright, who is the quarterback whisperer, it feels like. He develops young quarterbacks great. We have Josh McCowan, who's been around the league for 18, 19 years, maybe longer than that. He can develop great quarterbacks. So if you can sign Derek Carr, yeah, give you a chance to get to the playoffs and contend. Now, I don't know about Super Bowl. I don't think we can win the Super Bowl. I mean, I, every fan would love to say their team can win, but I'm a realistic fan. 
I'm a realistic guy. I don't. Panthers can't win the Super Bowl, but we can compete. We can compete and make the playoffs. Maybe the wild card, or maybe just win a division because this division's terrible. Brady's gone. Breeze is gone. The Saints don't know what type of quarterback they're going to have, and then the Falcons just released Mariota, so that leaves them with one quarterback. So I'm assuming they're going to sign one or sign Lamar, which we'll get to in a second. So they don't currently don't have a quarterback, and currently we don't. So the division's wide open. NFC South is wide open. So we can land Derek Carr. We automatically have the best quarterback in that division. We already have, well, I guess with Tampa, I feel like we have one of the best defenses in that division, if not the best, if not the one of the best in you know in the league. Carolina's a top eight defense, so have one of the best defenses in the league. You put a quarterback in there, that's eleven wins. I think they can go eleven and what is it, seventeen games? I think they can go eleven and six, and we can make win a division, go to the playoffs. So I truly believe that, but. Um, if Derek Carr can sign there, that would be big. We can sign Anthony Richardson. He can develop for the next two to three years, maybe two years, depending on what Carr does. And then, boom, you got Anthony Richardson. You know, I don't want to say a poor man's Cam, but it's kind of the same build as Cam Newton, kind of the same tools as Cam. There you go. You're right back in the game. So maybe that's what we need to do. But I think Derek Carr, any team in the South would be good for him. Obviously, if the Jets don't. I think the Jets were really the reports I saw that the Jets were really impressed with him. So if the Jets, you know, decide not to pursue Aaron Rodgers, they can get Derek Carr, and I think that'll work. So, but as I said in my last episode, I believe Derek Carr should sign with any team in the South. Reason being is you're automatically the best quarterback in that division, and you're gonna have a chance to win it. So I would sign if I'm Derek Carr, I'm signing in the South. Um, real quick, Rams release Bobby Wagner. Uh, which surprised me. Uh, they released Bobby Wagner, and I did not see that coming at all. Um, I thought, but I think they're trying to save money. They're trying to get under the cap. So, along of that same note, they're trying to look for um, landing spots for Jalen Ramsey as well. So, I just think that's interesting to see two of their best defensive players. And Bobby Wagner, by the pro football focus, um, the PFF, I think it's called. Yeah, Pro Football Focus. Yeah, duh. Um, they rated him as number one linebacker this year. The high, well, highest graded linebacker this year was Bobby Wagner. Had a career high six and a half sacks this year. He played a had a great year. So, where are some of the landing spots for him? Uh, I saw the Cowboys were very interested. I think that would be great because I think Vander Esch, Layden Vander Esch is a free agent. So, if you put him beside Michael Parsons, that makes that defense better. Uh, the Raiders, they need help defensively. And I... I don't know if this team's interested, but I thought the Chiefs would be a good landing spot for him. Uh, they got Bolden, who's a very good young linebacker. But if you put Bobby Wagner uh, in the middle, put Bolden on the outside, along with, uh, I think his name is Gay, Willie Gay, maybe. If y'all have that trio, Bolden and Gay can learn from Bobby Wagner, that'll be phenomenal. So I'll be curious to see what Bobby La- uh, Wagner um, lands, Hall of Fame, first ballot, Hall of Fame guy. I mean, one of the best linebackers in the game still. Even at 32, one of the best linebackers in the game. So, first ballot Hall of Famer. Love to see where he lands. And love to see where Jalen Ramsey gets traded to. Um, I think the Rams are going to trade him. I know that he came out and said that he's blessed either way. But it's going to cost a lot to keep him, him and Wagner. So, they may trade him. Um, expectations for Eric Bieniemy. Um, We know that Eric Bieniemy got signed to the Commanders, which y'all heard my stance on that. I thought it was stupid. 
that he had to go to another offensive coordinator job just to prove himself when you got other offensive coordinators that hadn't won nothing, even at a high school or rec league level, and they just get jobs. Just doesn't make any sense. But anyway, it's another argument for another day. Actually, it's not another argument. That's just what we see in the NFL, right? That, that happens every day. A coordinator that you know nothing about just apparently gets a head coaching job. I'll lie, both head coaches or coordinators from the Eagles. The OC and the DC both got head coaching jobs. But hey, that's whatever. But Eric Bienemy, my expectation for Bienemy at the Commanders, I expect that Commanders will have a good offense, um, but I don't expect it to be anything that resembles the Chiefs. One, they don't have the players the Chiefs have. One, they don't have Pat Mahomes. I mean, let's be honest. As much as I love Eric Bieniemy, they do have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So we have to put that out there. Um, they don't have Patrick Mahomes, but they released Carson Wentz, which I'll be honest with you guys, I thought Carson Wentz had a very good year up until he broke his uh, finger. I mean, don't get me wrong. Carson Wentz is a high turnover guy. I think that's what he'll always be. Um, he's just a turnover guy. This is what he does. But he played well for them up until he got hurt. Um, I don't think he got a fair shot with them. I really don't. Um, after he got hurt, they stuck with Taylor Heineke. Then they tried to put him back in. And then Wentz had a bad game, and they took him out. But how win? Like it, I just think they didn't. I think they were so desperate to win that they was trying anything. So apparently now they released Wentz. Um, Heineke's a free agent. And you're left with Sam Howell. So what is Eric Bieniemy going to do with Sam Howell? That's yet to be seen. But I do expect once they get the quarterback situation um, worked out, they have the weapons. You have Samuel, you have Terry McLaurin, you have Logan Thomas, you have Jahan Dotson, you have great running backs and Brian Robinson. And um, I am missing the backup. Oh, my goodness. It was right there at the tip of my tongue. Gibson, maybe? Antonio Gibson, I think is his name. I could be missing it. But anyways, you have McKissick. So you have really good running backs. You have really good receivers. You have a really good tight end. Quarterback's the only thing they're missing. Defense is really good. Chase Young will be back. We know what Chase Young is. Great defender. He'll be back. So, but my expectations for him is that he'll have a good, solid offense. Um, don't know if it will completely change, you know, if they will go in and you see this high, you know, powered offense or they're going to go in and start doing great. I don't know if you see that this year because I don't know how much I believe in Sam Howell. But I do expect this offense to look great, and I do expect Eric Bieniemy to do a great job because I believe that he's out to prove that it wasn't Andy Reid and that it's him. Um, you know, on the note of my Panthers, I told you I kind of what I would like for them to do at, with the number nine pick in the draft, I would love for them to select Anthony Richardson. If they can select Anthony Richardson, I, every mock draft I've seen has got Will Levis. Not really high on Will Levis. I didn't really like what he done in Kentucky. Just not high on him. But, hey, even if you draft Will Levis, still sign Derek Carr or still sign a veteran quarterback so he can learn. But personally, what I would like to see, JR, on the All Things Sports podcast, I would like to see them draft Anthony Richardson, sign Derek Carr, have Richardson sit behind Carr for a couple of years, learn from Frank Wright, learn from Josh McCowan, learn from Derek Carr, groom him a little bit, let him step in. Because the thing about Anthony Richardson is his upside is ridiculous. Anthony Richardson's upside is unreal. Uh, and when we mention upside, when people say upside, what do you, what do you mean by his upside is unreal? At his highest, his skill level, um, what he can do at the highest level is unreal. Like, he could be, when we say upside, like he can be, you know, a great quarterback once he reaches, you know, once he refines his skills, once he gets where he needs to be. 
he could be a great quarterback. So that's what we mean by upside. Like his potential, there you go. His potential is through the roof. Um, and I truly believe that. So uh, that's that's kind of the plan I would like. If not, maybe take a defensive guy and maybe look at Hayden Hooker late in the draft. And then he can sit back and, and learn under, um, you know, Frank Wright and everybody we have. Also, I saw something cool. Uh, along with the great staff that the Panthers have, they have a phenomenal staff already. They hired Adrian Wilson as the VP of player personnel. If you don't remember Adrian Wilson, he was a safety for the Cardinals. A great safety. One of the best safety in the game when he was playing. Hired him as the VP of, per, of player personnel. I think that's going to be great. The staff that the Carolina Panthers have put together, I am highly impressed with. And I expect them to contend for a playoff spot this year um, once they figure out the quarterback situation. So real quick, before we move on to the NBA, um, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson. What do you guys think is going to happen with Lamar? Um, it's just, it, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen with Lamar because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, you don't know what, it, what, what, he don't have an agent. His, well, his agent and his mom, but he, you know, they represent himself. I just, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't get the problem here. Like, reports I've seen says that he wants Deshaun Watson type money, and you're not going to get that. I don't think no team's going to do what the Browns did. The Browns were just so desperate to get a quarterback that they was going to do whatever. So they threw $220 million guaranteed at Deshaun. And normally that, like, sets the market. You know, that's, like, the precedent for what you're going to do going forward. Nobody's going to do that. I don't think you're going to see people give out $220 million guaranteed. I wouldn't. Um, that's not the standard. And I think he's looking at that as the standard. So that's why they're so far apart on that. But I do think that the Ravens should give him guaranteed money. Now, should it be 220? Nah, I wouldn't do 220 either. But they should do like 180, 170 over, you know, four years guaranteed. Lamar deserves to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks. if not the highest paid quarterback in the game. He deserves that. MVP, he wins 75% of his game when he's played. Um, he is your offense. I mean, he deserves to be paid. But I saw some reports that they might franchise tag him and they might give him the fr- – I can't remember what this was, the non-exclusive franchise tag. There we go. They may give him the non-exclusive franchise tag. What the non-exclusive franchise tag does is allows him to be tagged, signed, but can negotiate with other teams as well. So, And other teams can trade for him. So – I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to put the non-exclusive on them, and I think they're going to see what they can get back for them. And my prediction is he's going to end up with the Atlanta Falcons. I think Lamar Jackson ends with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, it'd be cool to see him kind of follow, you know, Vic's footsteps uh, as as a running quarterback. But I think Lamar Jackson will end up as an Atlanta Falcon. I really do, um, because that's the only I, that's the only thing I see now. I feel like the relationship between him and the Ravens have been damaged some. Uh, because in his mind, it's like, why won't you guys give me what I deserve? And the Ravens is like, we're not giving you all that because, you know, you've been injured the last two years. So it's kind of a back and forth. And I think at this point, you know, I think the relationship has been hurt a little bit between them two. So I think that Lamar needs to sign the non-exclusive franchise tag, get healthy, and see if you can work your way to Atlanta. Um, again, NFC South. There's no quarterback there right now presently. You step in, you're the best quarterback there automatically. Even if Derek Carr signs there, Lamar's still the best quarterback automatically. You have young pieces there, depending on if they do trade them, depending on what draft picks you have to give up, depending on who you, they have the fourth most cap space in the league this year, depending on how that looks after you sign Lamar. You may can go out and get, you know, a receiver, veteran receiver. Who knows? So, but I think Lamar ends up 
in Atlanta. I would like to see him. Well, actually, I wouldn't like to see him there because my Panthers want them to win that division, but I would like to see him somewhere different. Baltimore just hasn't surrounded him with talent other than Mark Andrews at tight end. They hadn't surrounded him with elite receiver talent. And then I got news flash for you. They're not going to do it. They haven't done it yet. They're not going to do it. It's not the Baltimore way. So that's your NFL news. Um, as more come out, I will give you more uh, as we go on next week. We'll start evaluating some of the top prospects. I'll give you my thoughts on some of the top prospects and why I think they'll land, which quarterback I'll think goes first. We'll hit that next week. So we're going to take a little short break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about the NBA, the association. So this is the All Things Sports Podcast, which is guy JR. We'll hit the NBA next. I'll be right back after this short break. All right, guys, welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast with your guy, JR. Let's touch on some NBA. Before I get to um, some of my points, I wanted to talk real quick. I, I left this guy out when I was talking about the NFL. Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz was released by the Washington Redskins. And I may have, oh, oh my gosh, Commanders, sorry. I may have mentioned that earlier, but I thought maybe I didn't. If I did, forgive me. But he was released. We'll see where he ends up. I saw some people say Panthers. I hope not. But Carson Wentz had a pretty good year. So we'll see where he ends up. But there's that. Um, Moving on to the NBA. Before I hit some of my talking points, I want to talk about a coach that recently got fired that kind of didn't settle with me well. Nate McMillan of the Atlanta Hawks was fired. Um, If you've kept up with that story all year, that's kind of been a weird story. Uh, Trey Young skipped practices didn't show up for a game uh just different things i guess because him and nate mcmillan didn't see eye to eye and if you don't know nate mcmillan played for the supersonics way back when was a decent nba player a great coach for a while um the portland trailblazers um i can't remember his couple other stops after that and then with the hawks now been a great coach um I, here's my problem with the firing he got him to the eastern conference finals two years ago now you know, and the Bucks ended up just running through them. Did a heck of a job. They signed him to a long-term deal. Last year didn't go so well. This year, him and Trey Young just didn't see eye to eye. And I can kind of see why they didn't see eye to eye. I'm not a big Trey Young fan, and I'm explaining to you why. Trey Young thinks he's the second coming of Steph Curry, and he takes the worst shots. I mean, listen, I understand that you have range. I understand that you can shoot from range. Dame Lillard can shoot from range. Probably better than Steph Curry. I know that sounds blasphemous, but Dame literally makes a 40-footer look, you know, average, like a free throw. Um, Steph can hit those now. Let's not get that twisted. But Dame makes it look like an average jump shot. So if you watched his 71-point performance, and we'll get to that in a second, if you watched his 71-point performance, you can see that Damian Lillard can shoot from anywhere. Trey Young just took bad shots. And also, a thing I don't like about that is I don't think him and DeJounte Murray work well together. Um, DeJounte Murray can't play off the ball. Trey Young, to me, probably could, but I don't think he wants to play off the ball. So, I think a lot of stuff happened with that team. And I think Nate McMillan just caught the end of it, the worst of it. Like, hey, you the scapegoat. We got to get rid of you. And Nate McMillan's kind of old school. So, I think maybe he had some old school ideas that maybe these the players nowadays don't like because you have to connect to your young stars nowadays if you don't connect to them you're gonna lose them as we saw there so 
I don't like that Nate McMillan got fired. They brought in Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder used to coach the Jazz. Did an excellent job with the Jazz before they, uh, I guess, he resigned, maybe. I don't. I can't remember if he got fired. I think he just resigned, stepped away. But now Quinn Snyder is the head coach of the Hawks. We'll see where he goes with that. We'll see how that relationship with Trey Young goes. But I'm just not a big Trey Young fan. Um, I'm not with all the terrible shots that he takes. Um, I'm just not with it. So they need to make a decision between him and DeJounte Murray to me. Which one you want to roll with? And if you want to roll with DeJounte, trade, trade. If you don't work with Trey, trade DeJounte. I just don't think they work well together as a backcourt. Could be wrong, but I don't see that working out well, especially in the East. So there's that. Let's get to some of my talking points on the NBA that I want to hit. Uh, and this segment won't be too long. I mean, it might be a little lengthy, but it won't be too long. I just want to talk about a few things that around the league, some talking points, some main points around the league that's got my attention. Load management right now. I know I went on a long rant about it, you know, in my last episode or one before that. And I just really hope that the NBA does something about it. You know, Draymond Green came out on his podcast and said that, you know, people don't understand the science behind it. That, you know, that that the trainers will come up and say, hey, we think you need to take a rest off because of this, that, and that, and that. You know, I guess they use analytics and science together to say, hey, you're at risk of you know, pulling a hamstring strain, pulling your hamstring, having a strain. So they'll sit the player for a game or so on a back-to-back or this random game because they're at quote-unquote risk. You know, Stan Van Gundy came out months ago. It was actually kind of funny because him and KD was going back and forth on it. And KD was like, Stan, I, I agree with you. I'm not arguing. <laughs> we all know how KD likes to troll. But he was like, I'm not arguing with you. I think you're right. Stan says that he thinks a lot of these, you know, injuries that we're seeing and that's what load management for is to prevent injuries quote unquote right stan thinks that we're seeing all these injuries because guys aren't playing as much as they used to and i totally believe that let me give you an example the nba has done their best to get rid of three games in five nights four games in six nights five games in seven days if you've been an nba fan like i have for years you would know that they used to do that at any given moment you could play four games in a span of six days have two days off reset hit another little stretch the NBA, with the new scheduling and with the new analytics and with the hot, the new science, the way they study the body, they have gotten rid of those long stretches of games. They've tried to get rid of the back-to-backs. They've tried to get rid of cross-country flights to where you got to play different time zones. They've done everything they can with the schedule to make it for the players, right? And now, and I've heard some of the players say this, just listening to some of the you know players talk on podcasts and just doing a lot of research, they don't practice hard no more. I just listened to Paul George uh, on JJ Reddick's podcast, and he said they don't practice no more. They don't even practice that hard anymore. So when you combine the lack of playing time with, you know, no practicing, and all of a sudden you just expected to go out there for 40, 36 to 40 minutes, I don't know, uh, nobody plays that much, 30 to 36 minutes, and you're expected to go out there and perform at a high level, that that's where your injuries are coming from. And I think the NBA really needs to do a better job of this low managing stuff because it's really getting out of hand, man. Like, and I understand some people. LeBron James is 38 years old in year 20, has played over 60,000 minutes when you talk about postseason and regular season. LeBron James does not need to be playing, you know, every game. I, I, I agree with that. He's 38. Klay Thompson, for example coming off of Achilles and an ACL surgery. I understand bringing him slow. Look, 
as much as I got on Kawhi, I even understand bringing him on a little slow, but ramping him up. Now he's been ramped up. But the way that the load management is taking place right now in the NBA is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, and from a fan's point of view, it just really stinks when you plan to go see somebody only to find out at game time that they're not playing. It's just really discouraging. You know, if you're a true basketball purist and fan like myself, you know, I'll watch anybody play. But I would rather see – I'll give you an example. I went to a game uh, late December. Uh, it was Charlotte Hornets versus Milwaukee Bucks. I've never seen Giannis onto the Kumpo play. I was so excited. I was like, man, we'll get ready to see Giannis play. Middleton's about to play. Drew Holiday, like, against LaMelo. I was excited. They were coming. Charlotte was coming off a of back-to-back. They had just played the Wizards the uh, Friday night before. Milwaukee, if you remember, was playing L.A. in L.A. when well, in Milwaukee when L.A. won. L.A. won that game. So they had a back-to-back. Do you know who didn't play? LaMelo, Gordon Hayward, Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday did not play that game. Or Joe Ingles did not play that game. I was so upset, and we didn't find out until before tip-off. I was so upset, thinking that I was getting ready to see a generational player play. Even LaMelo, I love LaMelo's game. Was trying, didn't even get to see them play. It's the stuff like that that's frustrating. So I really hope that the NBA can find a way to maybe, you know, help these teams with their players to play more. But I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. But low management is really hurting the NBA, and it's really affecting, you know, the, the fans. I think that, you know, over time it's got to improve somehow. If it don't, people are still going to be interested because you got people like me that love the NBA that's still going to watch. But I really would hope and wish they figure out something with load management. Enough about load management. Let's move on. I want to talk about the Clippers and Russ real quick. Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook had been traded to the Los Angeles Clippers, and they are 0-3. Now, this is being recorded, you know, Thursday morning. So I don't know what happened. I, I can't remember if they played tonight or, or what, but I'll have to go look. They're 0-3 since he's arrived which they've lost, you know, all the three games were close. The first game they lost was to the Kings, 176 to 175, the second highest scoring game in league history. Let's stop there real quick. How do you give up 176 points? That's just unreal to me. Now, it was double overtime, but it's just unreal. Um, The lack of defense just baffles me. Uh, But that was the second highest scoring game against the Kings uh, in NBA history. So a plethora of points. But they end up losing that. Russ actually had a really good game. 17 points, 5 rebounds, and 14 assists. Then they proceed to lose to the Nuggets. Russ had 17 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Then they lost to the T-Wolves, I believe, yesterday. uh, Tuesday night, excuse me. Russ had 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. So I really like the role that Russell Westbrook is playing with the Clippers. He's actually starting. I really like the role he's playing with them. He hasn't had a lot of turnovers thus far. He hasn't taken crazy shots. He's actually trying to distribute the ball and be a point guard i really think that this is a better fit than what the lakers was and the key thing is when you watch russ play now you see that smile back you see that joy back that he has um and i and he i believe that he played hard for the lakers it just over time you started seeing that joy leave for him because he was getting critiqued every minute and some of that was you know was brought on himself some of that you know, it was self-inflicted. So I understand that. But a lot of it was fans calling them, you know, West Brick and all this stuff. And that affects people in the long run. So I think the joy of the game was kind of taken away from him. 
And that's what you saw from him. And then it just got to the point to where it was just, you know, they needed to change the scenery. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to where these reports said he was a vampire because I think that's wrong. Like, how you going to call a guy a vampire in a locker room? Like, come on, man. That's, to me, that's wild. Like, he, vampire, really? Now, was he as, as, you know, as happy or was he supportive? Maybe not. But he had a lot of stuff going on. So, maybe it was just time to be moved on. But don't call him a vampire. To me, that's just disrespectful. But that time's over. He's now with the Clippers. And I do think this is a good fit. Although they've been 0-3 since they've acquired him. I do think this is a good fit. And I do think it'll work for them. Hopefully, it'll work for Russ. He can continue to play well. Maybe they resign him. But, hey, who knows? Um, moving on. Let's talk about Dame Lillard, Dame time, Dame dollar real quick. What a performance against uh, Houston. 71 point game, uh, had a 71 points. He went 22 from 38 from the field, which is over 60%, which is unreal. 13 of 22 from three point land, just an incredible uh, array of shots. If you haven't watched that game, go back and look at the shots that Damian Lillard was hitting from three. I mean, it. at one point, it was 18 seconds on the shot clock. He crossed half court, went to the top of the logo, just let it go. Who hit it. Boom. Bang. Nice shot. Damian Lillard was on fire. What an incredible performance from a guy that is on fire. Over his last 13 games, Dame has averaged 39.8 points per game, 52% from the field, 42% from three, 96.96% from the free throw line. Dame has the third most 60-point games in NBA history with five. Trails only the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, who had six, and Wilt Chamberlain, who had an insane amount of 60-point games, 32. Nobody ever gets that. That, that, that. that done with. But Dame Lillard has five 60-point games. In that span of 13 games that I just read out to you, his stats, he's had a 40-point game, a 50, a 60, and now a 70. Actually, he had like two 60-point games. So he's on a historic tear. The last time we seen a run like this was from Kobe Bryant. Uh, I want to say back in 07, maybe. But Kobe went on that one stretch for like 15 games where he averaged 40. It was insane. He took that 07 Lakers team that had no business being anywhere to the playoffs. He should have won MVP that year, which I don't think he did. I think that was one of the years Nash won. And I could have my years mixed up, but the one year that Kobe went on that insane run, should have won MVP, but somehow he didn't. That's another story for another day. Kobe should have more than one MVP, but hey, we all know that. Kobe should have at least three, in my opinion. But hey, good job, Steve Nash. Anyways, Dame has been on a historic run. Historic run. Dame is one of the best scoring guards we've ever seen. Now, in saying that, Portland is 29-33 and 33 because they lost last night. They're 12th in the West. Portland needs to do Damian Lillard a favor and trade him. I really believe that, man. Like, I know Dame that he's saying that he's loyal, that he is, you know, committed, that he came up with a statement, said the grass ain't always greener on the other side. And you're right, Dame. It's not always greener on the other side. But around here, you judge by championships. That's just how it is. Now, is everything about championships? It is not. We understand that Damian Lillard is one of the best players or the best guards um, to ever shoot the ball, to ever score the ball. We understand that. He's a top 75 player of all time, which, oh, on the NBA top 75 list, excuse me, which I have a little problem with, but that's hearsay, you know, for now. We'll, I'll attack that later in the offseason. Don't, I, I have a lot of problems with the top 75 list, but we'll attack that later. Anyways, for now, and going forward, 
he made the 75 greatest players list. So he's a great player. I really think that Portland should look at trading him. Get some assets back for him while he's in his prime. He's 32. Get some assets back for him. Send him to a place where he can go contend. I mean, if you're asking where, I'm not sure. Milwaukee, maybe, uh, if they can afford it. I, I guess they got Drew Holiday. Um, the Sixers, maybe. If James Harden leaves, send him to the Sixers with Joel Embiid. I, just, I don't know where you could send him, but I really believe he needs to go to a contender because this guy is so clutch. This guy is such a great scorer that I want to see him in the postseason again, and I want to see him play for a contender. Now, when Portland was in the postseason, they got bounced in the first, second round just about every year. In the one year they made it to the Western Conference Finals, Golden State swept them with no Steph Curry. So his postseason success hasn't been great, but I want to see Dane with a contender. Please, Portland, if you're listening to me, All Things Sports Podcast, which you guys are, anybody that's listening to this from Portland, please trade Damian Lillard. This guy is one of the best players in the league, top three-point guard in the game right now, if not the best. Actually, he's the best point guard in the game currently. Right now, Steph Curry's hurt. Consider Luka one, I guess. I don't know. Best point guard in the game right now. Trade him, please. Um, the other thing I want to talk about real quick is the 71-point game. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm really – 71 is 71, all right? There's only been eight people or eight instances where 70 has been scored. David Robinson, D-Book, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, um, Wilt Chamberlain, obviously. Um, I can't remember the other ones. Elgin Baylor, I think, man, I got 70. There's been eight such instances, right? So 71 is great no matter where you at. I don't care if you're playing Red League. I don't care if you're playing Church League. That's 71, you know, McNuggets. That's that's a lot of buckets, right? But I wasn't super, super impressed. You want me to tell you guys why I wasn't super impressed? Let me read you something of why I wasn't super impressed. He did it against the Rockets. Check this out right here. Scoring explosions versus the Rockets this season. Damian Lillard, 71. Luka Doncic, 50. Laurie Markkanen from the Jazz, 49. Ja Morant, 49. LeBron James, 48 points. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 44. Anthony Edwards, 44. Trey Young, 44. Shea Gilgis Alexander, 42. Clay Thompson, 42. Their Rockets team is absolutely terrible. Anybody can get buckets against them. So I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't impressive because it was impressive. It's 71 points, man. Like, I don't care what level of basketball you're at. 71 points is impressive. And the array of shots, the shot making he was doing, impressive. But I'm not like, you know, I guess over the top impressive with it because he did it against a Rockets team, a Rockets organization, a Rockets coaching staff that is absolutely terrible. Dane, you're amazing. You're one of the best guards. Please trade him. Let's talk about this Rockets team real quick. They need a total rebuild from the GM president down. This is one of the worst teams I think I've ever seen in my life. Jalen Green doesn't play well. Kevin Porter Jr. doesn't. I mean, Jalen Green just one-on-one. Kevin Porter Jr. is great one day and terrible one day. Kenyon Martin Jr., all he wants to do is dunk on people. You have a phenomenal piece in Alex Singon who could be, to me, he's like a poor man Jokic, like a poor, poor man Jokic. He can pass, he can rebound, he can score. Um, very great young talent. So you have some pieces, but man, this team is absolutely terrible. 
there's got to be something that can be done about this Rockets team. They need a total rebuild ASAP. This is one of the worst teams I've ever seen. So, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> we have a major problem. Get this team some direction. They need a Mark Jackson-type coach there to give them some direction. All right? Team's absolutely terrible. Moving on. Let's get to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and before I get to these Lakers, go check out my brother, Chill B, Chill Bravado podcast, Laker 82-16 series. Very amazing series that he does breaking down the Lakers. So go check my brother out. Back to my take with the Lakers. You know, when the trade went down, when they traded Russ and they got D'Lo, Vanderbilt, Beasley back, uh, got Mobamba from trading Pat Bev, got Rui Hachimura early in the season. Um, Davion Reed, got him. He don't play. They got Davion Reed from the Nuggets. I was very impressed. I text my brother Tilby. I said, hey, man, I really think this team can get to a top six seed. That's how confident I was in this team. And, you know, he, he kind of pointed out some things that I needed to see. He was like, I'm not confident they can get to the six seed, but maybe they can gel. Like, I agree with him. Like, they, they need the time to gel. You know, there's some things they got to work on. So he pointed some things out to me. But as a fan, I was excited. I was like, man, uh, D-Lo can come in. You know, when LeBron drives, he can kick it out to D-Lo. Open shot, boom. They can swing, swing, hit hit Beasley. Boom, 4-3. Vanderbilt, a great defender, can guard every position. High-energy guy. If you put him in the corner and he's wide open, he can hit that 30% of the time. But he's going to get you offensive rebounds. He's going to get you blocks. He's going to get you steal. He's the perfect fit beside AD and LeBron. So I thought, okay, with this combination, with the way Bron's playing this year, with the way AD's trying to get back to his form, uh, for that we saw from earlier in the year, I was really convinced. Like, they're going to get a top six seed, and they're going to be a problem for anybody that gets in their way. And then, all of a sudden, we see the bad news. They come back from 27 against the Mavericks, but LeBron James injures his foot. Said he hears a pop in his foot. Now he's in a walking boot. Now he's expected to miss two weeks at least. And we don't even know if that's, you know, two weeks or more or two weeks. We, we don't know with him. Instantly, I text uh, my brother Tilby. I was like, man, just when things were starting to go well, LeBron gets hurt. Um, I was excited to see this team. I was excited to see this team play, and then LeBron gets hurt. I don't know if I have faith in AD to carry this team. You know, Shaq said something the other day, and I have a hard time agreeing with Shaq and Charles Barkley because I feel like a lot of this stuff is out of hate sometimes. But sometimes I I, I don't like disagreeing with them because, like, man, y'all just hating at this point. Y'all a bunch of old heads hating. But Shaq said something the other day that I do agree with. And my Laker fan, close your ears. He said, I mean no disrespect, but AD is falling off. I agree. AD has fallen off. Now, Let's, let's hit some reasons behind this. Is it because of injury? It could definitely be because of injury. I, that's probably 80% of it if because he just hasn't been fully healthy, right? So we're not saying that, I'm not saying that he's falling off because his skill level has diminished. He's still a very skilled player. And I've said this before, if you listen to my podcast, if you listen to my episode way before the season started, I actually picked Anthony Davis to be in the MVP conversation. I actually picked Anthony Davis to win defensive player of the year because I thought, Coming into the season, you was going to see AD return back to the form that we used to see him. You haven't seen that. Now, we've seen a stretch of games before he turned his ankle uh, in the air, by the way. Before he turned his ankle in the air, I thought, man, this guy, he was putting up 
you know, AD-like numbers that we see in New Orleans. So I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, AD's back. Oh yeah, we about to see AD dominate. He just ain't been that same guy for whatever reason, injury. And to me, again, I could just be looking at this, you know, at wrongly. He doesn't look like he's having fun playing the game. And I don't know if it's because he's playing with LBJ. I don't know if it's because he's just injured and it just sucked the life out of him. He does not look like he's having fun anymore. So I was really hoping like AD would get back to his form. But with LBJ going down and the way AD has fallen off a little bit, maybe due to injury, I don't think this team can stay around that. I don't think they can get to the sixth spot now. Now, can they hover around the play-in spot? Yes. If AD can, I think against Memphis the other night, I know they lost, but he put up 29-18 in like four blocks. If AD can do that, that's enough to keep him around that spot till LeBron James get back. But I really had them ascending, and I really had them making a push. I really thought they would make a push and really – you know, upset some people because they got matched up against the Kings. I'm taking the Lakers in that matchup. Like with a LeBron's experience, they have no answer for AD. And I think AD will punish a bonus. The shooting they got, D'Lo can shoot, D'Lo can create. Rui coming off the bench. Dennis Schroeder has been great coming off the bench for them. Um, I really thought like, okay, they can get the Kings. Kings are a young team. Now Kings are, shout out to the Sacramento Kings, third seed, Mike Brown. Definitely in the run of the coach of the year. Um, if Joe Mazzulla don't get it, I hope Mike Brown gets it. Like, I really want Mike Brown to get it over Joe Mazzulla, but Mike Brown, man, props to him. This Sacramento team, Kings team has been unreal. But if they get matched up with them, I thought, oh, yeah, L.A. can get them a problem. And then go to the second round, let's say you get matched up with Grizzlies or the Nuggets. They would give them fits with this team. But seeing LBJ go down, well wishes to you, LeBron James. I don't know if this team can make any noise. It just depends on the severity of LeBron's injury. But hopefully LeBron's not hurt too bad, and we'll see that. Take a quick break real quick. When I come back, we're going to talk about KD's debut with the Suns. He debuted last night. We'll talk about the 16-game winning streak Giannis and the Bucks is on, and how Giannis is being overlooked. And also talk about the Knicks, and I'll give you my power rankings and MVP rankings, then we'll get out of here. This is the All Things Sports with your guy, JR. I'll be right back after this short break. All right, guys, welcome back. All Things Sports Podcast. Let's finish up some talk with the association. So Kevin Durant made his debut with the Phoenix Suns last night going. Now, he's on a minutes restriction. Restriction, excuse me. So 27 minutes, he had 23 points, six rebounds, two assists, 10 of 15 from the field, two of four um, from three-point land. Devin Booker had 37 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Kevin Durant is the only player in the NBA, I believe. There may be another, there may be some few, but he's the only player in the NBA, I believe, that you can just pick up, put on any team. He'll pick up any system really quick. Kevin Durant's a hooper. Like, if you know Kevin Durant and follow his podcast and follow, you know, follow him outside of his Twitter trolling, Kevin Durant just wants to hoop. He's a hooper. And his game, you can literally put him anywhere, and his game will adjust, like, quickly like that he did it with the Warriors he did it in Brooklyn and you've seen it last night I mean I've said this to a lot of people KD is the most efficient scorer that I've ever seen in my life I mean on 15 shots you know 10 or 15 from the field 23 points 
he's the most efficient three-level scorer that I've ever seen. More efficient than, to me, than Jordan, to Kobe, to LeBron. Now, don't get me wrong. LeBron's a high percentage field because LeBron's going to the rack, you know, consistently. But when you look at shooting the jumper, shooting the free throws, getting to the rack, shooting threes, mid-range, KD is the most efficient scorer that I've ever seen in my life. You know, I've heard people always say, like, why don't KD get 60? KD plays basketball the right way. KD don't go out there taking 30 shots. It's very rare that you're going to see KD take 30 shots. If he does take 30 shots, he's going to hit 20 of them, and he's going to get you for 40, 45. KD is an efficient, the most efficient scorer I've ever seen in my life. Now, I'm not saying he's the best scorer I've ever seen. I mean, to me, he's up there, but he's the most efficient that I've ever seen. When you look at three levels of score, he, he's the most efficient. His game can fit anywhere, and you see what it did for D-Book. Adding Kevin Durant to this team opened up the floor for Devin Booker. I think you're going to see Devin Booker have his way because now you can't double Kevin Durant. You double Kevin Durant, swing, swing, Devin Booker wide open. That's a knockdown. You double Kevin, you double Devin Booker, swing, swing, Kevin Durant, one dribble, pull up, mid-range, knockdown. You double both of them or somehow you trap, Chris Paul can still hit a wide open three. Damian Lee can hit a wide open three. They have shooters. Or then, you, then I didn't even mention the I mentioned DeAndre Ayton, who had a smooth sixteen and ten, or six, or yeah, sixteen and ten. Oh no, sorry, sorry, sixteen points and sixteen rebounds last night. It, it, this team's gonna be very good, very good. If they can jail. They're gonna be tough to deal with. Kevin Durant is, you know, one of the best players that I have personally ever seen in my life. Um, can really control the game. Can really get to his spots. He makes the game. The thing I love about Kevin Durant is he makes the game look so easy. <laughs> he makes the game look one dribble pull up, crossover, pull up, knockdown, mid-range, fadeaway, getting to the rack. I mean, just an efficient, great scorer. And I believe his defense is going to provide something to this team too. I'm not sitting here saying he's an elite defender, but hey, he can guard one through five. Now, you don't want him guarding the center the whole game because, you know, they're going to put their body on him. Maybe get him in foul trouble. Maybe try to be a little rough with him. But KD, can you see him block Mark Williams twice last night? Um, KD is is phenomenal, and I think what he's going to bring to this team is uh, uh, obviously scoring. He gets thirty a game on the season. He's going to bring scoring. He's going to bring a little defense, and he's going to bring spacing to this team. The ability not to be able to trap Devin Booker or trap uh, Kevin Durant or trap Chris Paul. They're going to bring some spacing to this team. I think you've seen a product of that last night with Devin Booker. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the West, but if they can gel over the next 19 games, they got a really good shot to win the West. Moving on, I feel like the Bucs have been flying underneath the radar. 16 games in a row, did not did not lose a game in February. And I believe that Giannis is entering that LeBron territory where we start to take his greatness for granted. Like, I know Giannis missed a couple games with a wrist and a knee, but if you kept up with his numbers, 31.3 points a game, fourth in the league, 12.1 rebounds, second in the league, 5.3 assists. He's averaging 31, 12, and five assists this year. Got his team in the first in the West. Well, I think Boston maybe jumped back. I think Boston maybe jumped back to first because of the they played last night. Milwaukee didn't. Um, but uh or they played, yeah, I, I don't know if Milwaukee. No, Milwaukee played, they played Orlando. So yes, Milwaukee's in they're in first. And he's done it most of the season without Chris Middleton. It's supposedly second best player. Now, Drew Holiday has been the second best player this year. Brooke Lopez has been balling. They just added Jay Crowder. Bobby Portis has been out. 
He's done all this without Middleton and Portis and just added Crowder. Like, I think Giannis has entered that LeBron thing where we just take his greatness for granted. Um, Giannis is phenomenal. Giannis is probably, I mean, I can't believe I'm about to say this because I love Kevin Durant and I thought Kevin Durant was the best player in the league. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I know a lot of people don't agree with it, but, you know, he impacts the game on the defensive side and offensively, you build a wall, he somehow still gets to the basket. He's going to hit a little jump every now and then. He may airball a free throw. He may airball a jump every now and then. But the thing I love about Giannis is Giannis not scared. He's going to go back and shoot. Giannis quite possibly probably is probably the best player in the NBA right now. And it's being overlooked at what he's doing. And he's got his team on a 16-game win streak. If you're the Boston Celtics, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, if you are um, a team that's vying out there in the East for to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you better watch out for Milwaukee because I believe the road to the finals is going to run through Milwaukee. And Giannis is going to be hard to stop. Moving on. I can't believe I'm about to talk about this. The New York Knicks has won seven games in a row. Thibodeau has done an incredible job. I was hard on this team. My brother Chill B don't like a hard end with Randall because I hate Julius Randall's game. I just feel like it's nothing but one-on-one. But I think the New York Knicks lead the league in like ISO percentage. Like Jalen Brunson and, and Julius, they're just going to go one-on-one. Um, Jalen Brunson's been averaging 23.6 points a game, six, oh, I'm sorry, 23.6 points per game and 6.2 assists a game. Jalen Brunson also should have been an all-star. But again, another argument for another day. Julius Randle, who was an all-star, is averaging 25 points a game, 10.5 rebounds, 4.1 assists. This Knicks team is playing well. Um, they, You know they're going to compete on the defensive end because of, of Thibs. He, all, I hate watching them nationally sometimes because all you hear is that, hey, switch. You hear that raspy voice in the background with Thibs. <laughs> so, um, but my biggest question about the Knicks is, can they be a threat in the playoffs? Depending on who they match up with, I think they can give somebody a hard time, but I don't know if they can be a threat. You get matched up with the Sixers, Bucks, or Boston in the first round. Sorry, New York, your season over with. Now, they may take you to six because they rough, but if you get matched up with a Cleveland, Toronto, um, Miami, I think they can get one of them. They've been playing well, so I got to I gotta shout out the Knicks and throw some love out to them real quick. That's it with the NBA. I want to give you my power rankings real quick with the NBA MVP rankings, and I'll get out of here. Um, the All Things Sports Power Rankings uh, presented by JR. So, I have the Bucks as the best team in the league right now at number one. Um, like I said, 16-game winning streak led by MVP candidate Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're flying under the radar. When they get Bobby Portis and Chris Middleton back, look out for them. Number two, I have the Boston Celtics led by Jason Tatum, another MVP candidate who's having an incredible year on pace to be the first Celtic to average 30 points a game in their history, which is crazy. You would have thought Larry Bird done it, but or Paul Pierce, right? Um, Jason, Jason Tatum is going to be the first Celtic to average 30 a game in a season. Crazy. Uh, a team I didn't talk about a lot today, number three, the Denver Nuggets, led by Jokic, the triple-double machine. Uh, they continue to play well. They're probably going to win the West. We'll see what happens with them. At number four, this is where it gets kind of hard for me, four through ten. It was kind of a log jam for me. But as of right now, um, I have the Philadelphia 76ers at number four. Um, I think with the combination of James Harden and Bede, who's been an MVP candidate as well, They've been playing very good. Tobias Harris is starting to come along. If they can get Tyrese Maxey going, that's going to help them a lot. Uh, number five, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. And I know you're thinking, like, at five? I have the Clippers at five. Kawhi Leonard over his last, you know, 12 games, 13 games, 28 points a game, 
40 uh, from 350 from the field, 90 from the line. Been playing well. Throw Paul George in there, 24 points a game. Playing well. With the addition of Russ, I think it's going to take some time. But, hey, I think they're going to be a good, solid team. Coming at number six, I have the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I didn't have them higher because I got to see what um, KD can do with this team. I got to see how he meshes with them. At number seven, I have the Memphis Grizzlies, another team that's been playing well. At number eight, let's give some love to the Sacramento Kings. Third in the West, Mike Brown's been, you know, been great. De'Aaron Fox has been great. Sabonis has been great. And number nine, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers, led by Donovan Mitchell, who's been phenomenal, had a 44-point game against the Celtics last night. And rounding out the top 10, I can't believe I'm about to say this, the New York Knicks. Um, just again, seven-game win streak. Bronx has been playing like an all-star. Julius Randle is an all-star. They've been playing well, so congrats to them. Now, to my MVP rankings. I'm going to catch some of you guys off guard. Coming in at number five, I got to show this guy some love. I got De'Aaron Fox, man. I got to show De'Aaron Fox some love. This Kings team is tough to guard. De'Aaron Fox is probably the fastest player from end to end. He's been great. So I'm going to show De'Aaron Fox some love. I got De'Aaron Fox, number five, on all things sport MVP rank. Coming in at number four, I got Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum deserves MVP consideration because the Celtics have been the best team in the league uh, record-wise all year, led by Jason Tatum. This one gets kind of tricky. Some of y'all may be like, man, what? Number three, I got Nikola Jokic. I get it. He's averaging a triple-double. Um, got his team number one in the West, but I think that the other two above him has done more with less, and I think the other two is just being overlooked. Number two, I got Giannis Antetokounmpo. Look at what Giannis has done. No Middleton. Um, no Bobby Portis for half the year. Just signed Jay Crowder. I mean, I think Giannis deserves more credit than what we're giving him. And number one, I got Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has been the best outside of Jokic, has been the best center in the game this year. And when they played head up, Joel Embiid destroyed Nikola Jokic. So Joel Embiid deserves love. I got Joel number one, Giannis number two, Nikola Jokic number three. Jason Tatum for the Air Fox 5. Look, guys, I want to thank you for joining the All Things Sports Podcast. Again, I know it was a little long, but I had to get this info to you. I hope that you continue to share the podcast, continue to like, let everybody know about it. Um, be on the lookout next week. Now, listen, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, it is going to be a little longer of an episode because I'm going to touch every MLB team. Be on the lookout for the MLB team next week. All right, guys, All Things Sports Podcast with your guy, JR. Peace out.